0: Here we are, uh, week number four in our series that we're calling uh, Silent No More. And, uh, man, we have this has just been quite a series. Next week, we're going to be concluding it. Uh, but we, we've just seen God doing so much, and I hope you've been here for all of it. If not, you can... I guess kind of catch up online, the messages are online, but uh, God's just been doing some incredible stuff. We announced a a major partnership uh, last week. It was a real big announcement between us and Unshattered, and uh, real, real excited about that. And just the heart of the Valley family responding week after week after week after week uh, as we've just been sharing opportunities. Uh, in response or in the conclusion of each one of the messages Uh, that being said I want to look at a story today that Jesus told a parable uh, that may be familiar to you if you've been uh, in church any amount of time in your life but I think there's something about this parable that's particularly uh, important for us as we're talking about compassion, uh, shining a light on compassion, and and I want to ask the question and hopefully answer it tonight. Won't you be my neighbor? How many of you remember Mr. Rogers? Uh, you know, kind of kind of grew up with that uh, as well, and uh, you know, I thought I would really arrive in life when I had sweaters like Mr. Rogers and uh, sneakers as well, which I think those are like back in again. Uh, but um, uh, many of us grew up with Mr. Rogers, and uh, that was one of the questions there. Won't you be my neighbor? Now you know why I'm not on the worship team. And, uh, uh, but, but, but this has a lot to do with a question at one time that was actually asked of Jesus, and the question was asked in order to trick him. And he gave this incredible response in the form of really a parable. And, and Jesus taught it a lot in parables. What a parable is, is it's a story that illustrates a point about God or about what God expects of us. And that's a really famous uh, parable that we're going to look at uh, in our time together today. Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan that answers the question, who is my neighbor who is it that god really sees me as responsible for so if you have your valley christian church app if you'll go ahead and and turn to that you can follow right along all the scripture we're going to be looking at is there, and also the fill in the blanks uh, as well. And one of the cool features about this app is as you actually, even at the bottom, you can take additional notes, and then it saves it for you. And you can look back months later, uh, and you don't have to try to recreate, like, what in the world was being said. Uh, it'll be able to be real fresh in your mind. So we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. I want to just look at this parable, unpack it, and then apply it to our lives in our time together. So Luke chapter 10 begins Beginning in verse 25 I want to read kind of the setup here before he gets into the story it says on one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus now that's really important that we from the start realize he was not sincere he was trying to test Jesus and, and so he's trying to trap Jesus by asking him this question and so remember the motivation is not pure it's not sincere in what he's asking and he says, teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Seems like a good question, doesn't it? Here's the response. It goes on and says, what is written in the law? Jesus, uh, Jesus replied to him, how do you read it? And then it goes on and it says, he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, at one point, Jesus actually said, This commandment, these two commandments love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, Anyone who does those two things is perfect. That in fact, those two commandments from the Old Testament sum up the entirety of the Old Testament. Think about that. You just got the, you know, uh, the cliff notes on the Old Testament. That's it right there. Those two things. Love the Lord your God with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Then it goes on and says, You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Remember, what's his question? What must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You do that, you got it. What he actually means is you're perfect if you can do that and none of us are. The whole entirety of the Old Testament was written to you and me to show us we need a Savior, we can't do it. We can't do it. There's no way that we'll ever be good enough. Because here's the thing, if we ever for one moment don't do this, we've fallen. we failed. And there's no way to correct that by being good the rest of our life and doing it perfectly. We messed up. And so it goes on and says, But he wanted to justify himself. Here he is. So now he's like, okay, I want you to really, I want to impress you. I want to really show you what an awesome person I am. He wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? He asked him the question: okay, if I'm supposed to love my neighbor, can you just define for me who specifically that is? Who is it that God Holds me responsible for in loving. Who is my neighbor? And then it goes on and says, In reply, Jesus said, Now Jesus is going to explain and answer that question, Who is my neighbor? By telling this parable in response to. So he's going to tell us a story now, and he's defining who the neighbor is for each and every one of us. Jesus was challenged with a question from this teacher of the law who was looking to trap him. And he was asked about specifics about how to inherit eternal life. But his real intention was to really refute everything that Jesus had been teaching. Jesus turns it topside down and gives him an answer he didn't know how in the world to respond to. It says, in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to, Jer- to Jericho. A little background information here. Even if you go to Israel today, Jerusalem is actually uphill. And so it's, always talking, it's not only just uphill, it's also uh, considered a holy city. So it was considered that you're going kind of up closer to heaven when you go to Jerusalem. Jericho was down. And so it says here that he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he, was attacked by, when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him for dead. You thought you had a bad day. Left him for dead, stripped him, robbed him, left him for dead. It goes on in the parable. A priest happened to be going down the same road. A priest, a man of God. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Pretty interesting, the detail of the story, isn't it? It's not that he didn't see him. It said when he saw him. He saw him laying there in the ditch, naked and beaten and bloody. And he just kept on walking. Then he goes on and says, so to a Levite, a Levite, that's the tribe of Israel that the priesthood came from, the Levites. They were kind of the tribe that was set apart for priestly duties. So to a Levite, when he came to a place and he saw him, he didn't mistakenly walk by and not notice. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Jesus goes on, but when a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. What's a Samaritan? Samaritans were considered in biblical times worse than a dog. Dogs were more valuable to Jewish people than a Samaritan was. Samaritans were those that had intermarried with Jewish people, kept some of their customs, but not all of their customs. They were considered, and I'll just, this is the only way to explain it, they were half breeds. And they were the worst of the worst in the eyes of a Jewish person in that culture at the time. And so remember, it's a Jewish man who's lying in the ditch. These are like arch enemies. They hate each other. In fact, the Jews would actually walk around the entire area of Samaria rather than have to walk through it and make eye contact with a Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He had compassion. And what have we learned in this series? Compassion is not an emotion, compassion is love in action it takes action it's not a feeling it's love in action the bible goes on and says as jesus tells this parable and he went to him and he bandaged his wounds pouring in oil and wine oil and wine were used for medicinal values and properties back in those times so he does a little emergency help right there right where he is. Bandages his wounds, pours in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. Jewish man that that a Samaritan generally would not have any contact with whatsoever. Kind of like just not even acknowledge his presence in a room and vice versa. Put him on his own donkey. Put him in his car for our sake and brought him to an inn And took care of him. Goes on in the story. The next day. So he took care of him all night long. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. He says, I'm paying for his time here at the inn as long as he needs to stay here to recover. Complete stranger. And if he owes you anything, when I come back, I'm going to pay his bill in full. It seems like I've got your attention like Jesus did when he told this originally. It's amazing. What a master teacher. The truth hasn't come out just yet. He's setting the stage for us. Just like he set the stage for this teacher of the law, this religious leader back in the day. He says, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then it goes on and he says, he asked this question now of this religious leader. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? He says, which one do you think was the neighbor? Here's a Jewish man beaten, bloody, robbed, laying in the ditch, A priest walks by, a fellow Jewish person, a priest who's supposed to, like people think, should have compassion, and he walks by, even though he sees him. Then a Levite, who's also Jewish, walks right by his Jewish countrymen and does nothing. And then this Samaritan, who was despised in the Jewish culture, not only stops, but he bandages up his wounds, puts him on a donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for his room and board for days. And Jesus says, which one of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Then it goes on and it tells us in Luke chapter 10, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And now here's the kicker. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Wow. Jesus said, you want to love your neighbor? You love those that are unlovable. You want to love your neighbor? You, You love those that no one else cares about. And you don't love them with an emotion. You love them with action. You love them with action. This this parable is hard for us, isn't it? Because we, we think we're doing right, and we realize we're falling very far short. Interesting point, as I said, the the Jews and the Samaritans were considered enemies. So isn't it interesting how Jesus kind of sets up the story? It's an enemy of Jewish man in the ditch that comes to his aid. The two previous people that were Jewish, priest and Levite, they overlooking him, they keep going. But it's his enemy who comes to his aid to help him this good samaritan is the parable is called the parable of the good samaritan think about it he braved the danger he stopped he gave him medical aid and then he transported him to the inn the good samaritan went on to give additional money to the innkeeper in order to cover his expenses while the jew jewish man recovered in effect the good samaritan think about this sacrificed In order to love this Jew, he sacrificed his safety, personal safety. Who knows where those robbers were? Maybe they were just waiting to jump him. He sacrificed his finances, he sacrificed his time, he even sacrificed his social standing if other Samaritans saw him helping a Jew. He sacrificed his comfort, and he sacrificed even more than that. Just go on and on and on. And Jesus concludes by saying, go and do likewise. This is what he expects of us. To go and do likewise. To sacrifice as well. See, when, when, I, when I read this, this parable that Jesus is sharing with us here in Luke chapter 10, I have to come to the conclusion personally, and maybe I can't talk for you, but let me just talk about myself for a minute, that a lack of love and compassion so many times is so easy to justify even though it is never right in the eyes of God. It's so easy to justify. I've got somewhere I've got to go. I've got something I've got to do. I mean, I'm so busy. Surely someone else is going to come behind me and help this guy laying in the ditch. I've got to go help other people that I don't have time for this fellow in the ditch. It's so easy to justify even though our justifications are never right, they're always wrong. The teachings of this parable that Jesus gives us is this. Our neighbor is anyone of any race, of any creed, of any social background, any human being that has a need is our neighbor. Whether they look like us, Whether they talk like us, whether they agree with us. Anyone who has a need is our neighbor. See, love means acting to meet a person's need wherever you live, wherever I live. And the fact about the matter is there are needy people all around us. Remember (laughs) what we talked about last week. There is no good reason, really, for us to refuse the help someone else because compassion doesn't measure, it ministers. Compassion doesn't say, are you worthy of my help? Do you deserve my help? That's not compassion. That's judgmental. That's being a judge. Compassion is God has been compassionate on me and I, need to allow his compassion and his love to flow through me to others. Love means acting to meet another person's need. Th- think about the people, not only in the parable, but the whole context of the story that we just read there in Luke chapter 10. How they saw this man in need. To, to, the, to the expert in the religious law, what did he see? He saw a subject to discuss and to debate. He just saw it a topic to debate. To the robbers, what did they see? A victim to exploit. (laughs) Here comes someone, let's let's grab him. Let's take everything he has. They just saw a victim to exploit. To the religious men that were around that Jesus is talking to and telling this story to, and, and the religious men that passed by, what did they see? A problem to avoid. I'm too busy. I, I, I've got somewhere I've got to go. I've got something I've got to do. That man naked and bleeding and dying in the ditch, he's just someone to avoid. How about the innkeeper? How about the innkeeper? What did he see from this Jewish man that had been beaten up and bandaged? A customer to serve for a fee. Oh, boy. Cha-ching. Look at this guy who's checking into my hotel. I'm going to make some money off of him. What did the good Samaritan see? What did he see when he looked upon that man beaten, bloody and naked in the ditch? human being worth being cared for and loved that's what he saw and that is what God wants you and I to see when we see anyone in need not a way that that we can make money (laughs) not 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 a, a topic to debate while he lays there bleeding not not someone to exploit not even a problem to avoid a human being worth being cared for and worth being loved and so let me ask you a question in the characters of this story which one do you identify the closest with on your day to day hour by hour living too busy can't be troubled i I got to get to the next thing. I don't have time to help this person. Which one do you identify with the most? Or let's flip the whole story around. Suppose you're in the ditch, and you've been robbed, and you've been beaten, and you're bloody, and you're naked. Who is the least likely person in your life to come give you help? Who's the person in your life that you'd say, they're my enemy, and yet they stop while your friends walked by? And they bandage your wounds, and they take care of you. That's what happened to this man in the ditch. Or better yet, who's the least likely that when they walked by and they said, I want to help you. You felt so ashamed and embarrassed because of what you've been hanging on to for years against them. Your enemy. I said it last week, I like to say, you see, reading the Bible just messes you up as a Christian. Because it's truth that just cuts through all of our stuff (laughs) I heard this definition of compassion recently, and I love it. Listen to this. Compassion means this. Your pain in my heart moving me to action. Your pain that I feel in my heart that moves me to action That's what happened when the Samaritan came by. He looked upon this man, and he felt his pain. The man in the ditch, he felt his pain in his own heart. And he said, I have to do something about this. I can't leave him this way. I I can't just go on with my business that I had today. What about Jesus in this story how does he see this man in the ditch to Jesus all of them all the characters and all of us are worth dying for every last one of them the ones that walked by and ignored the man bleeding in the ditch the Samaritan who stopped the man in the ditch The innkeeper, the robbers, to Jesus, every one of them has incredible value and is worth dying for. And so are you. And so am I as well. See, this is a parable of a good Samaritan, but the reality is Jesus was the great Samaritan, if you will we press pressed this story down Into Samaritans and Jews But how about we just kind of Take a 30,000 foot view Of this story Because we Were beaten And naked And left for dead In our own sin And God said I've got to do something about this I, I can't just let My children continue on like this. Jesus, go and heal them and help them and die for them. Jesus is really like the Great Samaritan. This story is not so much only about man to man. It's also God man as well. And Jesus is acting us to as is inviting us and encouraging us to act more like Him and to become more like Him. That's what happens when we're compassionate. That's what happens when we reach out. That's what happens when we see someone in need and we feel their pain in our own heart. We're moved to action. According to the Bible, we're all like that man, we're dying in the road. Spiritually, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. But when Jesus came into our dangerous world, he came down our road. And though we had been his enemies, he was moved with compassion in our struggle. That's what Romans chapter 5, verse 10 tells us. And he came to us and he saved us, not merely at a risk to his own life as in the case of the Samaritan, but at a cost of his own life. That's how valuable you are. That's how valuable I am to our Savior, Jesus Christ. And on the cross, he paid a debt that we could never pay ourselves. And so, this question, (laughs) who's my neighbor? I, I think really... If I could put it this way, I think there's a community outside these doors, these doors that are saying to us, won't you be our neighbors? Won't, Won't you be our neighbors? Won't you be for us just what God wants you to be for us? What Jesus said you should be 2,000 years ago? Won't you be my neighbor? And so in the rest of the time that we have tonight, I want to share with you how to neighbor. How to, just real practically, how can we really be neighborly to those who are in need in our community, in our lives, in our place of work, wherever we might find ourselves. I love there's a church leader who put it this way, Dave Ferguson. He said, God's way of reaching and restoring the world has always been through a blessing strategy. All the way back in the Old Testament, God had a blessing strategy that his way to reach the world was that through his people, we would bless others. In fact, look all the way back in the beginning of the book, Genesis chapter 12. When God said chose Abraham and he said, I'm going to use you. Not only am I going to bless you, but watch what he said. Genesis chapter 12, God makes his promise to Abraham. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And we all read that and we're like, yeah, bring it on, God. I could use some of that. And I will make your name great. Watch this now. And you will be a blessing. Oh really you expect me to do something he says I'm gonna bless you but not just so you're the recipient I want you also to be a distributor you will be a blessing and then he goes on and says and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you God's plan all along was to bless all the peoples of the earth through his people. And that's still his strategy. That's still his plan, to bless other people through our lives as well. I've heard it put this way before. I think it's very true that every one of us is blessed to be a blessing. Is blessed to be a blessing. Blessing as we talked about before. Not just to be a recipient of God's blessing but also a distributor of God's blessing. Not just to be a recipient of God's love but a distributor of God's love. Not just to be a recipient of God's compassion but a distributor of God's compassion. Not just to be a recipient of God's mercy but to be a distributor of God's mercy as well. And so let me quickly give you five ways to bless your neighbors. Five ways to bless your neighbors and kind of, I, I, I found this, I thought it was pretty cool, with the acronym of BLESS. How, how do we, how, what is this strategy, how we can actually just set out like, okay, give me the strategy. I'm a strategy guy. I like to think strategically. I think it goes back to my high school coaching days to, to just kind of think, okay, what's the plan? Let's execute the game plan. I want to give you the game plan to execute. That every one of us, we can leave here and like, all right, there it is, bless. I'm going to bless. I'm going to bless those that God brings across my path. Here's the first thing, the B, begin. Start. Begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. Ask God. God, show me how you want me to bless the people in the places that you're sending me to. In the places that I live, The place that I work and the place that I kind of hang out and I recreate. Show me how, show me how to bless them. Give me creative ideas. Start. Begin. The L in blessing is this. Listen. It's so important that we learn how to listen. Don't talk, but listen to people. Listen to their struggles. Listen to their pains. Listen to. Listen in the places that God has placed you. It's amazing just the, the beginning part of praying. It's amazing how all of a sudden it's like your ears are just more aware and more attuned. And, and you just you'll, you'll see someone, they'll have a look on your face and they'll just say, hey man, you, you doing all right? Yeah, 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 I yeah. am. Oh, okay. Well, no, not really. I'm not. And all of a sudden, listen. They begin to open up. Here's the E. You ready for it? Eat. <laughs> Don't forget to eat. Listen, you, you can't just check this one off. Let me explain why it's so important to eat. You, take time to have a meal with somebody, take time to have a cup of coffee. That there's something about when we just slow down enough to kind of catch a, co- a cup of coffee or have a meal. You know, it, 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 it says, you're important to me. I'm not just running through this encounter to get to the next. So eat. But hey, you want to you wanna go get a burger? Want to get some fries? I'd be happy to buy you a salad. You know, something like that. I'm going to get a steak, but I'll, I'll love to buy you a salad. <laughs> it builds relationships. There's something about building relationships. I don't know what it is, but it's the way God's wired us when we're like going, oh. like that. It's just like, do the, it's like all of a sudden our guard is just lowered. I, I, I. So eat. Here's the first S. Serve. as we talked about last week, just to turn, I'm gonna serve without looking for anything in return. I'm gonna love with a straight arrow, not with a hook, not with what's in it for me, not expecting to be thanked, not expecting to get accolades or, or, or notice or anything like that. Just, just decide, I'm going to serve if you listen with people and you eat with people, then you tell them how much you love them through doing those things. And you know how to serve them. That's the way, really, that you, you spell love. S E R V E. Serve them. And then the final S is story story look for the opportunity to tell them your story about what Jesus Christ means for you what he's done for you when the time is right let me tell you how this kind of worked in my own life with my best friend in high school coming up on 30 years since I graduated from high school later on in June and, and and my best friend was a tight end on the on the football team, and uh, and and he was a really really good guy, very moral guy. But he didn't have any relationship with Jesus Christ at all. And, and I remember when I went to college, we, we actually worked at IBM uh, not IBM. We actually worked at Friendlies through high school together, scooping ice cream and everything. And, and I remember when I went to college, it just got it, it was really intense for me. Like I don't know that he even knows Christ here I am in Bible college and he was my best friend like seventh grade all the way through senior year and I I remember after dinner uh, my first semester in high school that after dinner I'd go out and I'd walk around the parking lot of the church there on campus big huge parking lot and I would just pray God please give me a chance to talk with him give me a chance just one more chance please God just when I go home Christmas I want to talk to him so bad and so Christmas break came and uh, and and I got home and it was really like like the next night and I uh, my friend's name was Bobby and and I said uh, uh, my my dad said to me goes hey you know Bobby's working now and in the uh, friendlies in Poughkeepsie he said let's go up there to I said let's go up to dinner and let's go see Bobby and so the whole family we walked in and he was completely overwhelmed because the line was out the door It was just crazy Here it was, we had worked together And he comes up, and he's now a supervisor He's got the white shirt on I always had to wear the double knit polyester With the blue and white checks on it And, uh, and, and he, I, I walk in And he's like, Greg And I go, how you doing Bob? He goes, awful We're completely getting slammed And I said to him Do you need my help? And he goes Are you serious? And I said, yeah. He goes, will you wash dishes? And I said, absolutely. And I got up and I went to the back to the service room and I took off my shirt and I had a white undershirt on and man, I started doing dishes for Bobby. (laughs) And he came back and he goes, I can't believe you're doing this. You're on your break. You're washing dishes. I said, absolutely. He goes, how can I ever thank you? I said, here's how you can thank me. Take me out for dinner after we're done. He said, you're wrong. So we ended up getting out of there. We were able to close down the store at the right time, get the crowd moved on. It was about 12 o'clock at night. And he said, yeah, i would be so thankful. I'll be happy to take you out for dinner sometime. I said, I want now. So we went to Denny's. (laughs) And we're sitting there in Denny's, and he's like, Greg, man, I can't thank you enough. I mean, you know, it's like old times, you know. We're working there together and all this stuff. And, and, uh, and, and he goes, man, it's just so awesome. And he goes, uh, I said, well, what's been going on with you, man? And he told me, he said, well, I went to school in Philadelphia, and I got kicked out, flunked out. He said, I'm not proud about this. He said, but I, I was seriously thinking about taking my life. And that's when I realized I'd been walking around that parking lot praying for months and months that God would give me one more chance for Bobby. And I said, Bobby, you've known me for a long time. And and I know that you've seen me make some decisions that you're like, why in the world is Greg saying no to some of those opportunities? We spent a lot of time together, and I know you've supported me and respected me because of stands I've had to take, but I want to tell you the why behind the what that you've seen. And he looked at me and he said, I've never seen you like this before, Greg. What are you talking about? And I said, I want to tell you about what Jesus Christ means to me. We sat there in that booth that night at Denny's. And I shared with him my story. (laughs) After praying, beginning, after listening, after eating, after serving, washing dishes, and I shared with him my story. And that night, Bobby asked Jesus Christ into his heart, and we're still keeping in touch. It's almost 30 years later. And everything that I understand, he still has Jesus Christ in his heart. This seems real simple. <laughs> but this is incredibly powerful. Helping those that are in need. Even if it means doing dishes. E- even if it means just if nobody else ever notices. Why do we do it? Because I was the guy in the ditch. Because you were the one in the ditch. And then God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to bandage our wounds, to break the chains and the power of sin over our lives and to set us free not just that we could receive his love and his mercy and his grace and his compassion so that we could distribute it to others and that those that don't know him would come to that point where they too place their faith in him as their savior and as their lord and so I want to end tonight by asking the question, have you received the ultimate radical neighborly love of Jesus Christ in your life? That he did for us what this Samaritan did for that Jewish man in the ditch. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you that's how much you mean to him what is compassion your pain in my heart that moves me to action and that's exactly the pain that Jesus felt in his heart and the action that he took because he loves you that much would you bow your heads with me right now let's pray heavenly father Lord, we thank you that you did for us what we could never do for ourselves, that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect and sinless life, but to die a death as a substitute for what we really deserve, and that he rose from the dead, even conquering death in our place. And Father, may our hearts feel the pain of those in need around us, And more than just a feeling, may that pain move us to action to help others to distribute your love, your mercy, and your compassion to anyone and everyone that you bring across our path. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.